Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. I also do another podcast that covers films of the 1980s specifically. There's a lot of trivia and history thrown in for good measure. I do encourage you to check that out. Just search for Around the World in 80s movies, wherever you're listening to this right now, and you'll probably find it. Today I'm going to be looking at a film that is actually not in theaters. It's on your Netflix right now. It's called Triple Frontier. It's a film that got picked up by Netflix and is showing pretty much exclusively on its streaming platform, even though it may have had a very small theatrical run just to qualify for things. For those people who do enjoy seeing films in the cinema, this does have cinematic appeal. It's an R-rated film. It does have violence and language throughout. The runtime is two hours and five minutes. Oscar Isaac, I guess, would be the main star of the film. Ben Affleck, Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund, Pedro Pascal, and Adria Arjona are in the film with sizable supporting roles. The director is J.C. Chandor. J.C. Chandor also gets the screenplay credit along with Mark Bull. Now, if you've heard the name J.C. Chandor, you would know that he's made... A few critically acclaimed films, but it's been a while. It's been a nearly five-year hiatus since we've heard from J.C. Chandor writing or directing films, with the exception of an untimely departure from a project called Deepwater Horizon. He had some creative differences there, and he ended up either walking or getting fired, depending on what you believe. He's re-emerging here, though, with Triple Frontier. Triple Frontier, kind of a weird title, not the best title, I would say. It takes its name from, at least according to Wikipedia, the tri-border area along the junction of Paraguay, Argentina, and Brazil, where the Iguazu and Parana rivers converge. This one has five ex-military special ops soldiers reuniting in order to stage a heist of a murderous major South American drug lord, Oscar Isaac playing the de facto leader of the quintet, his name is Santiago in the film. He decides to get the band back together, so to speak, for one last mission for reconnaissance for the government and to take down this elusive drug lord that he spent years trying to take down, named Lorea. But he ends up changing the mission once he discovers that they could do the bust themselves and take out this human vermin that the world is better off without and score the millions of dollars in cash for themselves within this jungle-hidden and well-guarded mansion. Each of the men find that their service for their country hasn't exactly resulted in the country taking care of them financially over the years, so they figure they could get what's fair for their years of sacrifice by making it worth their salt to commit to this mission. Much more to the story than that, but I'll let you get into the film if you haven't done so already to learn more. Now, unlike his prior efforts, J.C. Chander does come into this as an already formed idea. It was passed to him from Tom Hanks, who was originally attached, but he ended up considering himself too old to play any of the parts. Now, this was originally written by former journalist-turned-screenwriter Mark Bowl. He's an Oscar-winning screenwriter who also wrote and produced ensemble pieces like The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty and Detroit for director Catherine Bigelow. Bigelow was also attached to this project. However, she was busy taking on another project, so Chandor came in to direct and he would also end up receiving a writing credit after revising the Bowl script. He did about 40 revisions over time as he was coming up with new ideas for where to go with the film. Bowl and Bigelow do still have their fingers in the pie, so to speak. They signed on as executive producers for 
Triple Frontier. Now, as with Chandor's prior films, the plotline does hinge on people with good intentions who end up making a mistake, and then they end up digging themselves further into a hole the more they try to get out of their self-made predicament. Very common theme for Chandor to want to explore. The intrigue here coming in trying to see if they can emerge out of this predicament, and how much these characters have to sacrifice of themselves financially or physically or spiritually in order to see the light of a peaceful day again, should they be so lucky. This was originally a film that was cultivated for Paramount Pictures. However, Paramount ended up selling it off. They started dumping a lot of projects. They are encountering a lot of financial difficulties and they were trending away from mid-range budgeted movies given wide release for theaters. It would end up getting picked up by Netflix for their streaming platform. This being a Netflix film, it has a solid cast of actors, a lot of great locale work, very impressive technical specs. It includes solid cinematography from Roman Vasyanov, who is a favorite for other filmmakers like David Ayer especially. It definitely makes it feel like a film that could have benefited from a big screen release should they have chosen to do so. The bells and whistles are all here. And while the film primarily exists as this adventure-slash-survival actioner that is as flashy as it is familiar, it's made even more so. It's kind of a pedestrian effort at song selections. It's one of the disappointments of the film, like Creedence Clearwater Revival's Run Through the Jungle. When they go to the jungle, I think that song needs to be put in the penalty box at this rate. I could use not hearing that song every time there's a jungle scene in an action film. But it's in the portrayals of these veterans as feeling like they're swept aside by society that they once protected that marks a fresher and more sympathetic approach to these characters that the film, I think, could use even more of in that regard. But it is better than others that have attempted this same genre, especially over the last few decades. On the positive side, Triple Frontier benefits from good casting of the leads. Oscar Isaac back working with Chandor. They had terrific synergy with his last film called The Most Violent Year, to which the film does give a nod by having one of the characters wear a standard oil cap. That's the company that was featured in that film. Ben Affleck is a delightful surprise in this darker and more seasoned role than he's usually afforded. He plays a character named Tom Redfly Davis used to be the leader of this group, and now is a single father working as a real estate agent who hasn't been doing well in life because of some bad decisions, a divorce, and he's giving it his all. His relationship with his daughter is still tenuous, and he's really trying to put the pieces back together. He doesn't have a lot to show for his life, but what he does show, he does value greatly, and he's the hardest to get to join on board because he doesn't want to be a loser of those little things he's built up. Hunnam and Hedlund, playing brothers, both in arms and by blood, offer some nice character-based machismo in support, and Triple Frontier does give them more nuanced roles than they typically take. Pedro Pascal is also a welcome addition in breaking up that machismo with a more thoughtful and troubled portrayal of a helicopter pilot that has a checkered past he's struggling to see his way out of. Some viewers are going to see the parallels to how greed sometimes screws up even the best intentions. I think in this way, there are moments when the plot line appears to follow such films like The Treasure of the Sierra Madre in its execution or The Wages of Fear to another extent. You get the sense here, though, that the heist mission is much more than just about just money for these guys. They end up feeling alive again. They get into the thick of the action and they're doing a mission with all the camaraderie that they've cultivated over the years. Although the stakes are still high, even if they make a mistake, given that they're stealing from pretty unsavory types who could and probably will hunt them down for revenge if they ever trace their whereabouts of who committed the deed. 
It's also an ego thing. You get the sense from these men. They want to show that they still have the metal to succeed in pulling off this mission, proving something to themselves during this time when they feel pretty useless doing just about anything else in their integration into normal society. Now, perhaps it's a smart move to go to Netflix for those involved in making this film. I think this film would likely have not been a box office bonanza. And the performances and writing and direction, while they are solid, are really not going to gain the kind of critical accolades down the road that a typical theatrical release would afford. However, I do think it is well made enough. It does have enough action and some good wrinkles of interest to make for more than just an adequate diversion for those looking for something to take in on their home screens. Although I do encourage those who do partake to watch this on as big a screen as you possibly can with a good sound system because it would be a shame to see this film pumped through your cell phone, through the cell phone speaker. This is a cinema-worthy film in every respect. I think it at least deserves that. As far as the film goes, it's not Shandor's best by any stretch. I think it could have used a more assured sense of style and suspense to it, but as a way to flex his muscles and getting back into filmmaking after a half-decade mostly gone, I do think it's a welcome reemergence, and I really like Chandler's prior efforts, and, and I like Triple Frontier as well, enough to give it, well, it's a borderline call for me, it's kind of there between three and three and a half. My rule of thumb on a first-time watch for my film reviews is to give it the lowest of the two grades if it's a borderline call, so I will give it three stars out of four. Which means that if it sounds of appeal to you, it's worth giving it a shot. Hey, if you already have Netflix, there's no reason not to try to give it at least a shot if this sounds like your kind of movie. I do think that this is a better action-adventure film than a lot of movies that end up getting actual theatrical releases. So, three stars out of four for Triple Frontier. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. Click the subscribe button if you haven't done so already, and you'll continue to get all of my reviews as they come out. If you ever want to get in contact with me, you can find my contact information at my website. That's at quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net, where you can also find links to my Twitter feed, my Facebook page, and my other podcasts. Everything is kind of there in that home, quipster.net. Until next time, thanks, everyone, and enjoy your time anytime. You either get to go to the movies or you enjoy a film that could have been a theatrical release at home, streaming on Netflix or any other platform. There are a lot of good ways to get some pretty interesting movies nowadays.